Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He is a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question we got a great guest with on. We've got a great guest on with us tonight. Wow, it's been rough. Uh, please tell us about him. Yeah, Joey, we got Jeff Greenberg on. He writes with me over at Inside the ACC, and there's not a better person uh, to talk about North Carolina football with. He's as plugged in as anybody I know uh, with the North Carolina program. So Jeff's on with us tonight. Jeff, what's going on, man? Hey, guys. Doing well. Good to be on. Well, Jeff, it's great having you on. We're excited to really talk about UNC this year. Uh, it should be a really interesting year coming in for uh, – for Larry Fedora's crew, there's a pretty hard reset going on. Uh, Mike, I, I guess it looks like it's it's going to be maybe a totally different unit that we're seeing this year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, without a doubt. So um, it'll be interesting to see how North Carolina pans out here heading into the 2017 season. But, um, you know, Jeff, when looking at this offense uh, hanging to the year, it seemed like it was going to be a complete reset on that side of the football for UNC. Um how big of a step back will there be on that side of the ball? And what's it reasonable for fans to expect uh, with so many faces, not only on that side of the ball, but maybe on the defense as well? Well, yeah, on, on the offense especially, when you look at what they lost, they lost about 90%, if not more, of their production. When you've got your quarterback being the second pick in the draft, you've got two out of your three starting receivers getting drafted, both running backs getting drafted. You're a third out of those three receivers looking like he's going to make the team he's on. Uh, you also lose some big time guys on the offensive line. It's a reset that even coach Fedora has said he has not encountered in his career as a head coach. And so it's going to be interesting. Now the good news is you have guys that like any program have been being developed, ready to step up. Um, I think on the quarterback side, because everything starts with this offense with the quarterback You've actually had a pretty intense competition, as of many teams in the ACC have experienced this year, turning over their quarterback. You've got Chaz Surratt, who is in the program. You've got Nathan Elliott, who's also been in the program. And then you've got LSU grad transfer Brandon Harris. Now, the reason you see Brandon Harris there is because, as of last August, no one expected Mitch Trubisky to not be suiting up for the Tar Heels this fall. But then 2016 happened, he had a great season, and next thing you know, he's the number two pick, so he's gone. So right now, you've got a still a question mark five days out from the game, which guy is going to start. With the rest of the offense, the offensive line actually looks like it could be a strength. They're hoping to get everybody healthy. I think that's going to be something that's a key for all the coastal teams this year is health, health, and then maybe a little more health is going to determine who wins. But uh, when you look at the playmakers, a lot of guys that – are unproven, but are ready to make that step. I think Coach Fedora has said it well when he's talking about guys that you may not know their names, but guys they expect 
to become household names. And that's what you're looking for on the offense, though. It's it's a uh, you hope that what you've heard in the spring and the fall is coming together, but it's that's the the question mark. And so a team or a program under Larry Fedora that typically is an offensive strength, you're going to probably look at the defense to be the strength of the team at least early on in the season while the offense gets their feet under them, starting with the quarterback, going to the running backs, and then the receivers. You actually have a good number of people that are players that are ready to step up. But outside of the names you know, like an Austin Prohl or Thomas Jackson, it's unclear to see which of those guys will step up first. But I think going into the season, there's a lot of question marks on offense that has a lot of potential, just like a lot of teams within the ACC. You just don't know how it's going to gel. But this may be the first time in Coach Fedora's tenure at UNC where the defense will be that core strength of the team, particularly early in the season. Yeah, so with so so many different quarterbacks in the fold, Jeff, um, when, when looking at the offense, uh, is there going to be a difference in styles between uh, the, the two or three quarterbacks that you mentioned, or do you think the offense you know, will largely remain the same heading into the season? It'll just be a matter of you know the quarterbacks getting their feet under them and just being able to run Fedora's system as best they can. Well, I think that the system will remain the same. How it looks is going to differ from what it looked like with Mitch Trubisky. I think what you're going to see more of is what the offense looked like with Marquise Williams the year or two before Mitch Trubisky, where the quarterback is going to have to be more of a playmaker with his legs and his arm, not just with his arm. You know, last year you could count on Mitch to throw a certain amount of yards and a certain amount of touchdowns, maybe run it. I think you're going to have to expect to see more of an offense similar to what Marquise Williams looked like with the offense, where plays are going to have to happen from week to week with a different guy leading the way. That means the quarterback, he may have 200 yards passing and 100 yards rushing this week. The next week, he may have 100 yards rushing. The running backs may have 100 yards. Maybe the quarterback throws for 150. I don't think you're going to see from week to week uh, such a steady flow of what the offense looks like like you did last year. And that's where some of the question marks lie. But I think that's what the skill set fits with a Brandon Harris, a Chaz Surratt. Those guys can make plays with their feet. And that's why I think the offense is going to be unpredictable from week to week. I think if you listen to the coaches in the offseason, instead of coming into the year knowing exactly what they have on offense, they're going to focus from week to week on what do I do with the offense this week to win this game, not worry about, okay, then we're going to have that same 300-yard passer next week and the next week. I think you're going to see something a little different every week, and that's really what the 2015 team was like. Jeff, one of the things that sticks out to me about this team and really across the division as a whole is we talk about as much offensive personnel as they lost, but I think maybe one of the most important single individuals that has been lost across the entire uh, division and even conference was on the defensive side of the ball, and it wasn't a player, but the defensive coordinator, Gene Chizik. Uh, obviously, folks know him from his national championship run at Auburn as head coach, but really, I think he's had a huge impact on the success of this defense. Obviously, you know, the, the most successful defensive coordinator under Larry Fedora took the defense from a total, basically, wasteland, but when he got there to uh, actually a pretty respectable, you know, middle-of-the-road unit and with an offense as good as it is, that's that's perfectly fine for that defense. And so when you look at this defense, Jeff, the, a lot of the personnel returns, there's only a couple losses in the secondary, you know, one or two losses up on the defensive line. But for the most part, pretty much intact. 
How does this year's defense compare with last year's, given the loss of Gene Chizik as defensive coordinator? Yeah, I think the defense, again, has a chance to be the best unit Coach Fedora has had at UNC. I think you you nailed it a few reasons why. The experience is back more so than they've had previously in back-to-back years. You Even though uh, Coach Chizik departed, his linebacker coach, John Papucha, steps right in as the defensive coordinator. A lot of the base, the foundation, and the principles remain exactly the same, so there was no learning curve for the players to go through with a new defense coordinator. What changes, actually, is being able to take advantage of the experience to add some more wrinkles into the defense. And if you hear Coach Papuchas mention wrinkles, what he means is more aggressive play calling when he can because the guys are ready for it and they've been there. You've got the deepest defensive line that they've had by far uh, in the Larry Fedora era. I mean, you're talking going 8, 9, 10 deep that will rotate through, uh, most of which have extensive experience and then some young guys that are just ready to break out. The linebacker core is solid again if they stay healthy they could be a big force you've got andre smith and cole holcomb who are actually in the top eight or nine in the acc last year in total tackles um those, those guys return you mentioned the defensive backs you've got donnie miles who again was probably in the top 15 top 20 in tackles you've got uh preseason all-american in some cases with um mj stewart Miles Dorn, who played as a freshman last year, should be a breakout player at, at safety. That's a name to remember, Miles Dorn. He's that old-school guy that can run with anybody but also bring the lumber when he needs to. And then you've got some younger guys that are ready to step in. Uh, freshman Trey Shaw has had an outstanding uh, preseason. You've got um, Patrice Rene, who had really good um, action last year in terms of how many games he played. But... With the defense overall, it's going to start up front with the defensive line. That's been sort of what's been missing the last couple of years. Even with Coach Chizik, he's had to develop that depth and develop a point where they can actually cause havoc. This may be the first year that you see them be able to pressure the quarterback more. And I think the emphasis that Coach Papuchas has brought in the offseason also is focused on turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. I've never seen a team only get one interception in an entire season, and that's what happened last year. So... I would expect the aggressiveness to look a little different. They brought in the defensive backs coach from Texas A&M and Coach Joseph. So you've got an SEC coach coming in. You've got Deke Adams returning a defensive line after a stint at South Carolina and East Carolina coming back to UNC. And then again, you've got um, Coach Papuchas running the show. And then the linebacker coach, uh, Coach Eckler, is just one of those guys that, I mean, I think he was born to be either a linebacker or coach linebackers from his, the way his jaw is chiseled to his attitude and the way he's made. Um, the defense, I guess, from what I've been told, knows that a lot's going to be on their shoulders this year. They want that, and they're ready to show that this could be the best defense in the Larry Fedora area, era. So with North Carolina's defense struggling over the last few seasons, I mean, you answered this, you know, it, you know, prime for a big year. They got the personnel. Uh, you know, both returning and some new guys in the fold to to come in and help. Um, what should, what's it reasonable for the fans to expect here? Because you look at this defense and the struggles that they have had over the last few seasons, and the offense has done a great job bailing them out. Now it's going to be a little bit change of style, it sounds like, where it'll be the defense maybe bailing the offense out as they get their fo- footing early on. 
what's reasonable for the fans to expect um, on the defensive side of the ball? Um, maybe not a top 10 or 15 defense in the country or anything like that, but, you know, measured steps forward. And, and how is that defense going to propel this offense? Or how do you think this defense can help this offense here, especially in the early part of the season where, you know, the schedule, it does get kind of tough. Yeah, I think where Coach Chizik took the defense, as you guys mentioned earlier, from near the bottom to at least a middle-of-the-road defense from a ranking standpoint, when you look at the point differential before he stepped on campus to on campus, it was one of the biggest uh, improvements in the country. I think they should at least expect, you know, from that middle-of-the-road in the country ranking to take another pretty good step up. You know, you expect that when you have more upperclassmen and more depth up front. I think what the fans should reasonably expect is the defense to put the offense in some better positions, um, meaning create more turnovers, create more sacks, get off the field on third down more so than they have in the past in order to flip that field position a little better into the offensive uh, on the offensive hand so that they can, as they're getting their feet under them, have some more favorable um, field positions. So I think that the defense right now, you're going to, it's going to start up front, but it's going to also be a more aggressive stance with turnovers that will flip the field a little better than they have in the past. Jeff, before we get into the schedule in 2017, one of the things I wanted to ask about, so I think it's it's kind of becoming more and more public knowledge that Larry Fedora is kind of shamelessly interested in taking another job somewhere. Um, it seems like he's constantly uh, interviewing after each season, you know, looking to move on from North Carolina. And it, I, we talked before we came on here, it reminded me of what Bobby Petrino was doing in his first stint at Louisville about 10 years ago. And it was really one of those things that really pissed off the administration and the fan base that he was kind of just being shamelessly, you know, not loyal to the, the team, to the program. Is that the perception that the fan base and the administration gets here? And, and what's their reaction to that type of behavior? And is that is that a total misconception that he's doing this? Or, uh, or, or just talk about that situation and how that relates to the, the fan base and the administration as a whole. Yeah, I, I would say overall first that it's a misperception nationally that he's openly searching. I think any coach that's in his position the last couple of years where he took his team to the conference championship game, uh, they had a great season last year, could have been better, and he, he would be the first to tell you that. Uh, they've won 19 games in the last two years, which I think is only, I think only 14 or 15 other teams have done that. And so when you have openings like you did last year, you have the, the, the natural reaction is, okay, who is a young and up-and-coming coach or just an up-and-comer that's not at maybe one of the top 10 schools but that next 10 to 15? UNC's when they're having a good season, is going to be in that range. So with Fedora, I don't think it was similar to Petrino in terms of him actively looking. I think they're, like many coaches, there are a few jobs that every coach is going to listen to. I know there were a few jobs last year and the year before that his name was attached to that he had no interest in. Um, he wouldn't, and that's one of the reasons he wouldn't talk about it. But last year, you know, I'm I'm one that keeps a tab on that, and you know, following the Georgia Tech game and then even the Duke game, when they're looking at okay, we can, they can still salvage, you know, a nine possibly ten win season, and you've got his name being floated for LSU, you've got his name being floated for Texas, you've got his name being floated for those type of jobs, 
he's going to listen, or I guess in this world, day and age, his reps and their reps are going to talk, and they're at least going to listen. Um, you've got to remember, uh, Larry Fedora is from Texas, born and raised. So when the University of Texas puts his name on a list, I would naturally expect that him and his family have to consider it because I know one thing that I've learned from him is that like any human being, he's going to look after his family and, and what's best for them. I will say though, that to his credit, he never talks about it, uh, at least publicly. He is the first to hope that any rumors that aren't even close to the truth are, are basically put to rest. And, you know, in terms of what the UNC fans see or perceive with it, he just signed uh, a long-term deal, five or, five or six years. And this week earlier on an, another podcast talked about how this is finally home in terms of what his family feels like. His oldest daughter, who just graduated, moved back to the area. He's, she's working in the area. His oldest, or his son is back in the area, working in the area. And his uh, third child, she goes to UNC, and the fourth one's um, getting close to graduating high school. But... I think they finally set some roots, um, but in his position, I think it's going in the years that UNC does well, and with the type of offense he runs and the type of flair he has, he's going to show up on certain radars, whether he puts the feelers out or not. So I think ultimately there is a difference between how he approaches it and Coach Petrino did, and as of now. I think he is raring to go and getting to that point where maybe they're getting over some of the humps that he inherited when he got here with regards to off the field stuff that I think he's excited to see what his coaches could do as that cloud passes and maybe has um, the freedom that everybody else does when they hit the road to build a program. Well, let's look at the schedule here because we know Larry Fedora will be the coach here this year. <laughs> so heading into 2017, uh, Interesting schedule here, Jeff. Uh, you guys do draw Louisville uh, from the Atlantic Division. Uh, you know, the annual rivalry with NC State as well out of the Atlantic. But when looking at this schedule top to bottom, you guys do start, you know, North Carolina does start the season with Cal at home. Uh, it's interesting. Cal's coming across the country there for the opener. That'll be one to watch. Uh, following weekend, also another home game against Louisville, um, and then at Old Dominion, home against Duke, and at Georgia Tech. So, at you know, a couple programs there in in Duke and Old Dominion that um, are, are kind of rebuilding, right? So you got Old Dominion, who's kind of getting their feet wet in the FBS. You got Duke, who's kind of rebuilding on both sides of the football, but they have a great quarterback in Daniel Jones. You guys have to deal with Lamar Jackson in Week Two. Cal in Week One is a complete. Uh, complete toss-up that Cal program you never really know what to expect so first quarter of the season pretty interesting of course UNC has the home game against Notre Dame then got two Virginia teams right in a row there Virginia uh, coming in October 14th for a home game and then at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg in late October before having Miami at home so it looks like a lot of the tougher games on this schedule Jeff are at home which I think really benefits North Carolina but with a rebuilding team, uh, what do you think is reasonable to expect here when looking at the schedule? Yeah, the opener is interesting. It's a Power 5 team from the Pac-12, but they are turning over their entire coaching staff, so you have really no read on what exactly the new coaches can get out of Cal right away. They kind of tailspin last year, hence the new coaches. But 
I feel more for Cal in that game from a logistical standpoint. They're flying across the country. They are going to be playing at noon Eastern, which is 9 a.m. Pacific time. So I know when I was in college and I was 18 to 20 years old, my my internal clock mattered. And so waking up at what will feel like 5 or 6 a.m. my time to go warm up for a 9 a.m. kickoff is going to be strange for them. Adding that, that I think Berkeley, the average temperature is 70, 71 degrees with no humidity and pretty much cool out. A noon kickoff in Chapel Hill could mean 90 degrees, 100% humidity. So it's going to be interesting for those guys. I think it's going to be one of those games that could be a little sloppy the first quarter as both offenses are trying to figure out what they're doing in live action, Um, which is why, again, UNC is going to rely on that defense maybe to, to hold them in check, maybe turn the ball over early. I would expect UNC to come out as the home team and win that game. Um, which leads into a very interesting second game so quick in the season at home against Louisville. Um, I find that game in a little way a little more interesting for Louisville because they open with Purdue at home. So they're opening with a Power 5 team as well with new coaches that you don't really know what's going on. Um, But Louisville also has Clemson the following week at home. That's got to be one that they have circled probably more on their calendar than they do the North Carolina game. So it's an interesting game for both teams and that Louisville goes on the road right away against another ACC school in week two. Um, they're going to want to show what their offensive line has improved upon from the end of last year. I mean, Lamar Jackson's a star, so Lamar Jackson is, is going to do what Lamar Jackson does. But I think the key of that game will be the Louisville offensive line and the North Carolina defensive line. And I, UNC will have to turn the ball over, get you, Louisville to turn the ball over to try to contain that offense. Um, you would hope they go up to Old Dominion and win that game. Again, another interesting game after that is Duke at home this early in the season. That's an early game for a Duke or early date for a Duke UNC game. So I think that one we'll know a lot more about this team by the Duke game. Uh, Duke, I think is flying under the radar much like I think UNC and Duke are very similar teams this year. They're both going to fly under the radar. Duke at least has a returning quarterback that's an absolute stud, but their defense is a huge question mark, um, where UNC, the offense is the question mark, where the defense might be the strength. So that week's going to be a a big week for both of those teams. It could decide whether, regardless of what happens in the Louisville game, which direction Duke and UNC go, which leads for UNC to at Georgia Tech, which I always have that game circled. It's a huge game for UNC within the Coastal. Um, I remember in 2015 when UNC came back to win that game at Georgia Tech, and they have not had success in Atlanta very often at all. And they won that game, and when they, in the fashion they did it, coming off the field, um, Coach Fedora mentioned to those close to him that they're going to win the Coastal because he knew that's how big that win was in Atlanta and getting over that hump. So that's another big game, but it's a big game for both teams. Um, Georgia Tech finished the year so strong last season that neither one of those teams wants to lose that game because they know they have other games on the schedule that are not easy. Um, so that's a, I mean, that's a one of those you circle when you're trying to figure out if someone else other than Miami or Virginia Tech is going to win the Coastal this year. Um, Notre Dame at home, I just don't know what to know or think about Notre Dame right now. So, uh, I mean, until I know exactly what they're going to look like compared to last year, I just throw a toss-up in an optimistic way, but I mean, I know they're getting more hype than they closed the season with last year, but um, I've got to see something for Notre Dame before I know much about what they're going to do with any of the teams in the ACC. 
Virginia, you hope they come to town. UNC takes care of business based on what's on paper and what, what should be going on. Uh, Blacksburg, another place that not just UNC, but no one likes to go play in Blacksburg. It's just a tough place to play. Uh, what's going to be interesting, but similar to the Georgia Tech game, I would say the Georgia Tech game, the Virginia Tech game, both teams on each sideline are going to be trying to figure out did the quarterback decision work or not? Because by that time in the season, either that starter has solidified himself or they're going to a platoon or the second guy's getting more reps. And I think the team with the best quarterback at the time will win that game in Blacksburg. Um, knowing, though, that the defense from Virginia Tech is going to be their strength this year, which uh, is always, again, tough to do up in Blacksburg. Miami's another team that, in my opinion, uh, I think is overrated at this point until I see what the heck's going to happen on their offense. I think their defense is has a chance to be good, but it's not like they dominated last year. And the only reason I say that is when I see the certain games that Miami dropped, you were just left scratching your head a little bit, including the game in Miami against UNC, where UNC did not play particularly great, but they, they still were able to win that game without really stressing too much. Um, and that's rare. I mean, UNC pulled a rare feat last year winning at Virginia or at Miami and at Florida State. I don't think another ACC team has done that since Miami joined the ACC, uh, winning in both games in Florida. So the Miami game at home, I'm, it's just going to be, you know, I want to know which team is healthier and which team's quarterback was the right. Again, you know, another team that's got a new quarterback, I want to know which quarterback is, is on fire at that point. At Pittsburgh, until – Pittsburgh as well until their quarterback steps in and shows me that, you know, you know, cause they're in a similar situation. They just named the starter from USC transfer as a starter. Um, so you've got Brandon Harris and you've got Max, up, Max Brown up there, which one was the right decision. Um, we'll, we'll only know then I, I, again, it's a winnable game. I think a lot of games for UNC this year are winnable, but a lot of them are perfectly losable if the offense hasn't gotten going. Um, and that doesn't have their feet under them, hasn't shown to be as diverse as it was, like I mentioned in 2015, where you can win games in different ways. If they're getting to this back half of the schedule and they've only got one facet of the offense clicking, they're going to find it very hard to win at Virginia Tech, to win at home against Miami, to go on the road on a Thursday night. Because, you know, Pitt's expected to be in the mix this year for the Coastal. I think they really had their chance last year and dropped the ball, uh, particularly in Chapel Hill when they had that game won. Um, Pittsburgh's got a lot, a tough road to hoe before they get to that UNC game. So I'm not quite sure they feel great about that game when they look at it on the schedule either. Western Carolina, if, if we're worried about Western Carolina at that point, then we're going to close up shop for that year and look to next year. Um, just, to, you know, it's just a game that's on the schedule for a reason. You should win that game. And then the NC State game, NC State is my most underrated team this year. I mean, I know recently in the last couple of weeks, people are trying to get on that hype train and say some interesting things about NC State, but their front seven's as good as anybody in the country outside of Tuscaloosa and, or, you know, or, or uh, Clemson, but NC State has the pieces and the experience. If they're going to do it, it has to be this year. Um, I just don't know if they will, because where they're going to depend on health is their quarterback. If that quarterback goes down, that team's done. But you can say that for 90% of the college teams that hope to do something this year. But NC State especially, I think uh, it's going to be a tough on the road. 
Um, it's going to be a rivalry game, so throw out the records because the team that the road team has won the last couple of years in a row. So who knows what's going to happen? Jeff, you got a record prediction for us? This one's tough. I mean, I've been toiling with this since May, um, looking at the schedule. It's a, it's it's one of those where I think a good year is eight and four. Like that's a good year. Like if he goes eight, if Fedora can get this team to go eight and four, you know they should add more years onto his contract. Um, I think seven and five is very realistic. I think six and six should still be a good transition year. Um, but that seven and five to eight and four is where I keep thinking if things fall into place the way they should on the offense with an improved defense. Um, but I think it's going to be one of those where they win some games I did not expect them to pull off, and then they lose one or two where it leaves me scratching my head like last year after Duke and NC State, and you're looking at going, man, if you, if you win those two like you should have, you're 10-2 and two again, and with the late season you know, win by Georgia Tech, you know, UNC could have won the Coastal if they just took care of business against two of the lower-ranked teams last year in ACC. It's like that this year. There's some, there's one or two games I think they may surprise people, but I'm still nervous about the one or two that could pop up that give them a headache. So you think seven and five? A realistic seven and five, an optimistic eight and four. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna put you down for seven and five. We're gonna hold you to that. Uh, I I look at the schedule and I think first of all this is this is a bad year to be drawing Louisville from the Atlantic uh, in the crossover game. I think that some of the timing on here is really unfortunate. Um, I think at the time of the, the year that you would like this schedule to be a little easier, maybe it's, it's just not, um, as they try to figure out things, really as they try to replace everything on offense and try to make sure there's some continuity on defense in, in uh, scheme and everything, that's when you're playing a team like Cal that can jump up and beat you, um, a, a team like Louisville that is probably likely to win that game. I, I look at this... I, I think there's a lot of potential for, for bumps in the road, like you said, Jeff. Uh, I think I'm going to go 6-6. Six and six. I think by the end of the year, this team is going to be a lot better than it starts the year out. But really, I, I just can't – I don't think the schedule sets up in a way that um, lends itself to getting a lot of easier wins late in the year as the team is better. Um, and so I think 6-6 six and six is probably what, what happens here. Like you said, I think there's maybe a couple of, a couple of surprise games that pop up of – games that they win that maybe we weren't expecting them to, but also probably some games that they struggle in or even lose that we would not have expected them to. So uh, I, I'm going to go 6-6 six and six here. What about you, Mike? It's also a bad year to be NC State's rival because <laughs> if NC State is as good as we're all talking about them being, uh, that's not an easy game at the end of the year, uh, you know, especially on the road there. Um I'm also going six and six, and I, you know, I think North Carolina beats Cal and Old Dominion. The Duke game's a toss-up. I think North Carolina has a good chance there. Uh, I think they beat Virginia. I'm not high on Pittsburgh at all. A lot of people are. I'm just not. I don't trust Max Brown. Um, some people are trusting him more than they should. Uh, you know, outsiders that. You know, you hear saying, oh, Pittsburgh's a real player in the Coastal. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. It's much like my feelings about Miami. I, you know, I, I feel a lot of the same ways you do, Jeff, and that, you know, Miami's a team that, you know, I, I don't want to sound too biased here, but they went into Blacksburg last year with essentially the same team, and they had a three-year starter at quarterback, and they got absolutely demolished in Blacksburg. 
and now I have, you know, people who write about the ACC coming out and telling me that the same Miami team that got demolished in Blacksburg is now all of a sudden the runaway favorite in the Coastal Division while they replace a quarterback and three members of their secondary. I, I just have a hard time buying that. So I'll believe the Miami hype when I see it as well. Um, I think Miami is in a better spot this year than North Carolina is. So I, I think, you know, North Carolina does lose that game. But, you know, I think North Carolina has a chance to make that competitive because the game is at home and because I think North Carolina does have a lot of athletes on defense to match up. And it'll be really interesting to see how this defense meshes as the season goes along. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with 6-6. Six and six. I, I think the season really comes down to that pit game in November. Um, it is on the road, but I think North Carolina has to like their chances there. Um, and, and then I think the Western Carolina game, I mean, I, th I think if you win that, you're likely in a bowl game if everything else falls like it's supposed to. And, and then, you know, for North Carolina to get into a 7-5, and 8-4 and four scenario, I do think they can pull off a couple upsets along the way, whether it's on the road in Blacksburg or at home against Notre Dame or at Georgia Tech at Bobby Dodd. I mean, th there are upsets to be had there that I think North Carolina – you know, they do have the athletes to compete with a lot of these teams that I just mentioned. So I'm going to go 6-6. Six and six. I could see it being better than that. I don't really see it being worse than that unless North Carolina really lays an egg in some games that I think they're going to be, you know, heavily favored in. So I'm also going with 6-6. Six and six. Jeff, is 6-6 six and six a, a relatively fair prediction from Mike and I? I think 6-6 uh, six and six is what probably if you were at the ACC media days, that's kind of where the consensus laid. Um so in terms of fair, absolutely. I think that's what's so uh, unpredictable this year with the Tar Heels is they are under the radar, but they're under the radar for a reason. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of teams that are rebuilding like being under the radar. I think um, some teams that are a little overhyped, that's a lot of pressure on them. Like I said, I, I would agree with Mike. I think Pittsburgh's overrated until proven otherwise. They had, you know, and I think Miami's a tad over. When I say Miami's overrated, I don't mean they're not a top 25 team. I just don't know if they're that locked top 15 team I'm seeing. You know, that's a tough thing to do with some of the games like Mike just mentioned that they showed last year. But no, six and six is fair. I think it's just going to be interesting to see what this offense can do. And luckily, their head coach, you know, is an offensive guru. And then really. The defense has to do what everybody on the inside of that program is expecting them to do and give them a chance in games that they might not otherwise have had a chance in. Jeff, really appreciate you joining us tonight. This has been really a lot of ton of great insight into the UNC program. You're clearly very knowledgeable about everything that's going on, uh, especially from an insider point of view. Can you please tell the folks where they can go find your sweet works? Yes, as Mike mentioned before, InsideTheACC.com. Love uh, working with those guys. A lot of good coverage for the ACC. With regards to UNC, uh, every week, every Monday morning, I have an exclusive interview with Coach Fedora called Five with Fedora that posts every Monday morning on uh, www.goheels.com. It's the school's athletic site. Look for that to continue again this year. There may be some other things in the works. Um, not yet formalized right now, but that uh, those two areas are where you could usually find me during football season. Jeff, you're the man. Thank you for joining us tonight. Please come back sometime soon. You're, you're welcome anytime. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Mike. That's Jeff Greenberg uh, talking about UNC. Very knowledgeable. Curious to see how this goes for this team this year. Uh, but, Mike, we got to get out of here. we got a couple more of these we got to record, and then the season coming up very soon. But in the meantime, the people can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRSJoey. 
He's at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, you can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns, anything else to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Also, thank you to everybody who has been emailing us. We've been getting a ton of uh, ton of good questions from our listeners over the past couple of weeks. So we see you guys uh, contributing. It's always good to see. Yes, very relevant. Thank you guys for emailing us. This is, uh, this is extremely helpful, and really we, we enjoy the engagement and hope you guys do as well. Uh, you can also find our podcast on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud, on the Overcast app. I, Mike, I don't know if you know anything about Stitcher. I guess that's another podcast app. Maybe they can find us there. Probably. I don't know. I, I'd yeah, assume sure. so. Why yeah, not? Yeah. Unless proven otherwise, sure, you can find us on Stitcher. Why not? Uh, Mike, where else can they find us in social medias? They can find us on Facebook.com slash Basketball Conference. Rate and review. I see you guys doing that, too. Keep it up. It's a big help. There have been a couple of those recently. Really appreciate that. That is extremely helpful. Uh, thank you so much. But, Mike, I think that's all for tonight. You want to come back and do this again soon? Absolutely, buddy. Let's do it. All right. Until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, Mr. Jeff Greenberg, I'm Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.